Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That was a great good morning. It is great to see you all this morning as you make your way into the sanctuary. It is great to see you all. We are together here this morning in the house of the Lord. For those of you that are worshiping online, good morning to you. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, Be sure to let us know that you are here this morning. Just drop us a little hello online this morning. Well, as you prepare your hearts for worship, we say this every week. It's just become a practice of mine because I really believe in just taking a moment and and preparing yourselves. Open up your heart uh, to the Lord and what he wants to speak to you and how he wants to move uh, in and around you this morning. So just open up your heart to him and let us read from Psalm 108, 1 through 5 this morning. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy God, we gather together to worship you, and we want to glorify your holy name this morning. God, I pray that you would make yourself known to us in a very real way this morning. God, speak to our hearts. Encourage those who are weak and weary. We pray that they find rest in your presence and strength in your power. God, we love you. Thank you for the love you have for us. We worship your holy name this morning. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And we all pray this together in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.
As uncomfortable as it can be sometimes, I um, feel like it's only necessary after that song to just sit in a moment, in the quiet, in the stillness. We don't do that enough. We don't know what to do when it's quiet for more than a few seconds. This is a problem that plagues me often. If I don't have something to do or something to think about for more than a few seconds, I just don't know what to do with myself. And that's, you know, we are so out of sync with what it means to just be still. How many times in scripture does God say to his people, be still, be still and know that I am God. So I want to invite you to just be still for a few moments. I won't make you be still for very long. Just be still 
and sit in the truth of who God is and just spend a few moments soaking up his goodness and let him speak to you this morning. I invite you to be still before him. Speak to us, O Lord. Holy Spirit, come. In the chaos and in the confusion, Lord, we need you. If our week has ever been a week of seemingly chaos and confusion, this week has been that week. We see the chaos abounding all around. Our minds, our newspapers, our cell phones, our televisions remind us of nothing else but the chaos that is all around. But there comes a moment, Lord, when we need to just turn it all off. Turn it all away. And remind ourselves that in the chaos and in the confusions, We can be still and know that you are God. We can lift our eyes up to the heavens and remind ourselves where our help comes from. For our help, the people of God, for our help comes from the heavens, from the Lord, from the maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, this morning, we are tired, we are weary, overwhelmed, burdened, and we're just reminded of our need for you, and only you. Lord, I just pray that each person here would sense your great love for them. Lord, may we take rest and find comfort in knowing that we are seen and known and loved by you. Because just as you are the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who is still at work, even in the midst of all that is unfolding all around us, we are reminded that Even as you are working in great and grand ways in the world, we know that you still see us individually, each one of us. And you long to remind us of just how seen and loved we are by you. Let that not be lost on us this morning, Lord. Lord, I just invite you to continue to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would speak a word to your people. Help us to hear your message this morning. May my words be anointed. May they be yours. Help me, Lord, to say only the things that are helpful for your people. And may you be glorified in it all. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, perhaps one of the good things that came from 2020 
And in our efforts to slow the spread of the evolving COVID-19, we all stayed home in hopes that we would somehow slow the spread. Perhaps one of the good things that came from that time, I know you're super skeptical already, because some of you are like, I don't see anything good that came from that, and hopefully we slowed some kind of spread, but I just don't know. But hopefully one of the things you saw during that time, something that lifted my spirits often, were these virtual choirs that started popping up all over the internet. Did you see any of those videos last year? And maybe some of those have carried on into this year. Did you see a virtual choir of some kind while you were staying at home? I just loved that people were coming together in these virtual choirs and they were lifting our spirits, and they were bringing us joy through their gifts and their talents, and we were able to enjoy this all while doing what we wanted to do, which was stay home and stay separated so that we could hopefully slow that spread. We, we had some joy from that. I think I remember even our very own tribe, Church of the Nazarene, put out a few of those videos with, with Nazarenes all over the world that sang in these virtual choirs. They were lovely. But did you know that virtual choirs existed long before the pandemic and long before 2020? This was actually a thing before last year, even if that was the first time that you saw a virtual choir was last year. In fact, in in 2010, world-famous composer Eric Whitaker conducted an experiment. He wrote a song and he posted the music of his song Uh, to his blog. And he invited people from all around the world to record themselves singing various harmonies of this song. And he invited them to record themselves singing and told them, post your video to YouTube. And he put together this one amazing master track of all these voices while he himself was conducting these voices. And the final result was incredible. One perfect song that that featured this virtual choir of 185 voices from 12 different countries, all sing together as one. In the first two months of this video release, this video received more than 1 million views on YouTube. Keep in mind, it was 2010. In two months, this video received 1 million views, over 1 million views. Well, last year, I was really glad to see that last year, Whitaker was back at it again. Because if we ever needed a video of a virtual choir from Eric Whitaker, who is just incredibly talented, we needed that last year. And so while he's done several of these videos, he was back in 2020. And on July 19th, 2020, as the world was seemingly falling apart all around us, Whitaker, Eric Whitaker and this choir of, listen, 17,572 people in this virtual choir from 129 countries came together to sing this beautiful piece that he had written during the pandemic called Sing Gently. You see, one voice, it can be a beautiful voice. It can be an overwhelming, beautiful voice. While one voice can certainly be moving, by itself is not the same as hundreds or even thousands of voices coming together, singing as one. It doesn't make that one less powerful or less meaningful or less beautiful, but the results of thousands or hundreds of voices coming together, the results are even more captivating. And in our scripture today, we are reminded of what Jesus thought about many coming together as one. So I want to invite you, if you're able, to stand this morning as we read from John 17, verses 20 through 26. This is Jesus speaking or praying, actually, and he says this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you, God. You may be seated. In John 17, we see what we call this high priestly prayer from Jesus. And at the beginning of John 17, Jesus is praying this prayer specifically for his disciples, for the 12 disciples. He is praying for them, he's burdened for them, and so he lifts up this special prayer to God for them. But then something happens later on in the chapter, and Jesus moves beyond just praying for the 12 disciples, and he begins to pray for all of the believers. You and I, the church today, we are covered in this high priestly prayer from Jesus. Jesus prayed for you in this prayer. Jesus prayed for me in this prayer. And if that is not humbling, I don't really know what is. Jesus prayed for us, for the church in this prayer. And and so much is revealed in this prayer about what Jesus desires to see in his church for his church. And as I was reading this prayer this week, one thing stood out to me. If I'm honest, two things stood out to me. And I tried to put those together in this sermon to be one point, but then I discovered that I was going to be preaching two sermons in one week, and nobody likes that, especially when you can smell what's happening out in the foyer. If there was ever a week you don't want to hear two sermons, it's this week. So I I decided that the other thing that I got from this passage could be a sermon for next week. So be, be, you know, that's coming, to to come. But, But as I was reading this week, there was one theme that really stood out to me this week. And that was this theme of the importance of community community, which is something you know that I feel very passionate about. It's something I began talking about before I ever really arrived here, and it's something I preached about the first few weeks of of being here. I preached on community and how I feel it's incredibly important. But this week as I was reading this prayer, I didn't just think about the, the word community or what it meant to be a community, but I thought it's because Jesus knew something incredible, and that is that his people are better together. This is a prayer that Jesus was praying for us and for our togetherness. Jesus was praying for our togetherness in this prayer. Let me quickly run through this prayer and just point out all of the uh, specific kind of language we see in this prayer. Listen, he says, I pray that all of them may be one. May they be in us. I have given them the glory that they may be one. I in them. The world will know you have sent me and have loved them. I want those to be with me where I am. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Do you notice that language that Jesus is using? Not once does he use singular language of, uh, now don't get me wrong, he could certainly be covering the, the future of the church and still use singular language. Like as I'm praying for the future church and for the future believers, may I be in each Man, and may I be in each woman, and may I be in him and in her, but he doesn't once do that. He is continuously using this plural language. When Jesus prayed for you and for me, the future of the church, he prayed for us together. 
And I feel really strongly as I was reading this, I, I noticed the, the hints of the community that we see within the Trinity. Remember several months ago we talked about the community that is found within the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit? They are one, but they are a community, the three of them. They, they work together and they are a community. And Jesus even references that as, as you, God, are in me and as I am in you, so I want the same for my people that they may be together as one as you and I are together as one. That same community that Jesus had with the Father and the Spirit, he wanted for us. He couldn't do it alone. What makes us think that we can do it alone? This thing that you and I are doing, this journey that you and I are on, what makes us think we can do this alone when Jesus himself realized and recognized that he is so much better with the Father and with the Spirit. I like how Wesleyan scholar Joseph Colson, he speaks about this and he says, just as God enjoys the fellowship of community within the triune Godhead, God intends humans to live in relational community as an important, uh, as an important part of our identity in the image of God. And this got me thinking, about how one of my favorite verses over the past few years, I've just begun to think about um, just the profound message I see in this verse, and that is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The second part of that passage, or that verse, when, when God says, after creating Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. On the heels of creation, on the heels of all that was good, on the heels of all that God created that he declared was good, the sky, good, the ground, good, the morning, good, the evening, good, the water, good, the fish, good, the birds, good, and then he creates Adam and it's good, but do you know what is not good? For him to be alone. Was God enough for Adam? Yes, the answer is yes. Would God have been sufficient enough for Adam? Yes. But God, in his sovereignty, the creator of the heavens and earth, who breathed life into the lungs of Adam, looked at Adam and saw, even though he's almighty and sufficient enough for Adam, that Adam would be better together with someone else. Because God in that moment saw the importance of human relationship and community. And it was not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to try and do this thing, this journeying, this following Jesus thing. It's not good for us to do this alone. We need community. And I'm convinced as I was kind of thinking about this and I do a lot of you know, like researching, light researching and studying on this. And lots of pastors have said this before me, ones that are a lot smarter than I am, but they all say, all the researchers and those who study the church, they say that the very antithesis of community, of togetherness, what we are working against in our context as people who live in America, the very antithesis of community is this idea of individualism just me, just pulling myself up by my bootstraps and doing what I need to do in order to get through. And I don't need anyone else. I, I can do this on my own because we pride on ourselves of what we're able to do on our own. And this individualism, this idea of, of individualism, it, it cripples us. Because you see, if we are stronger together, and if we are better together, which after reading what we've read, I think Jesus says we are, and God says we are, then one way to be crippled is to be alone and isolated, not living within community. And I really think that this hyper-individualism, it's, it's, individualism is bad enough, but now they're using language like hyper-individualism. We're getting there faster, and, and we're even more aggressive with our individualism, individualistic tendencies. This is challenging our need for community and togetherness in many ways. It's not the American way, I guess. It seems like it's not really the American way because we can do it on our own, so why not? 
And I see it within the church because we, we emphasize this personal relationship with Jesus since the time we are young. And while I definitely agree that it is a personal decision that I myself alone can make to invite Jesus to be Lord of my life and to surrender to him every day, that is only a decision I can make for myself but, but in emphasizing this language of a personal relationship with Jesus, it almost implies that I have to do it on my own. And that sometimes it's even easier on my own without others messing it up. And then there's the events of the last year and a half that really haven't helped because we've been even more removed and isolated than ever before. But church, I want you to hear my heart this morning it's okay to be independent. It's okay to be capable of doing things on your own without help. I'm not trying to make you feel like you should never be capable and independent. But I hope you hear my heart this morning that I have a need for you in my life. And I hope you find that you have a need for me in your life. And we, the church, we have a need for you to be here with us in community with us. And you, as an individual, as, as one solitary person, you have a need for something bigger than you. Something that is much bigger than yourself. We were made for community. We are better when we're together. We were never meant to do this thing alone. You and I are a part of a greater whole. Jesus wanted togetherness. And to kind of Take this even further, this might be hard for some of us, but I want you to, to hear me this morning that community is so much more than just showing up to church on Sunday mornings. It is. And I want you to hear me out. I've spoken with people throughout the, the years I've been in ministry, I've spoken with people who have told me point blank that they show up to church every single Sunday and yet they are completely alone and isolated. They don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't feel known. They're at church every time the doors are open, but yet why do I feel so alone? Why do I feel like no one sees me? And then this has stuck with me for the past several weeks. Uh, one person shared with me here, right, the first week that I preached on the series of neighboring, a person who I really appreciate their vulnerability shared with me that this idea of neighboring is great, and I love the concept of loving my literal neighbor, but what I struggle with, this person shared with me, is that sometimes I don't even know the neighbor that's sitting next to me that week in the seat. What do I do about that neighbor? How do I get to know that neighbor? Because I don't know that neighbor. And that is stuck with me. In fact, I have to be honest and say that it's kind of what inspired this message today. That we're missing something if our focus is only on those out there in the world and reaching those. And that's great. And we want to be focused on that. We want to be intentional. But we also recognize our need for community within the church, within the body, within the people of God. And yes, don't get me wrong, we are blessed by showing up on Sunday mornings and, and worshiping together as a body. We are blessed by corporate worship and prayer. Do not hear me wrong that this is important. This is an important part of what we do. But if you remember back to the series on Acts chapter 2 and that kind of community, that's only two out of four. That showing up here on Sunday mornings, that's devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, which we do together. But then there's two other parts of, of what we see in the church in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the fellowship together, to this koinonia, this fellowship, this friendship, this, this family-like relationship. And they broke bread together in each other's homes they knew one another. They didn't just pass by and say, hi, how are you? And always we say, good, fine. Even if we're dying inside, we will forever pass the people in church and say, I'm fine. How are you? I'm dying inside, actually. I think there's a video in the TikTok world that's like something like that, right, Don? I know you're, you're hip on the TikTok watching. And there's a video that's like, I'm fine. Just kidding. I'm dying inside. And I'm like, wow, that is so true. And we don't do a better job of covering that up anywhere else than right here. We walk around with the smile on our face and we say, I'm fine, everything's fine. I think Matthew West has a song about that too. 
Anyways, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on saying any of that, but, but that's showing up here for corporate worship and prayer, that's just part of what it looks like to live in community with each other. And I just want to tell you this morning that it's entirely possible to show up to church every single week and still refrain from participating in the few or the full communal aspects that the church and community has to offer. In other words, You can be as invisible as you want to be. Did that that hurt? That stung a little bit. It felt like it stung a little bit. But you can be as invisible as you want to be. If you don't want anyone to see you, the real you, if you don't want anyone to know the real you because it's messy and it's ugly and it's just not very appealing and pleasing and it doesn't look like what everyone else looks like, You can be as isolated and as alone and as invisible as you want to be. And I believe that that's the enemy's absolute intention. Because you see, what was good in the eyes of God to be together is is terrifying and destructive to the enemy because he knows that we're better together. He knows that we're stronger together. And the enemy will tell you. You've heard these lies. I know you have. The enemy will tell you. The church is too flawed. Christians are hypocrites. Being vulnerable is hard and messy. And you've been hurt too many times. And and it's so much easier to just show up and smile and say, Hello, how are you? I'm fine. And we do it all again next week at 1030. It's a great thing we've got going on. And the enemy uses all these lies that we believe to keep us separated, to keep us isolated. And I believe that this falls short of how we were meant to live. And it falls short of Jesus' prayer because he prayed that we would be together, that we would journey together alongside one another. And it's entirely possible to come to church and still feel like you are journeying alone. So what does this look like? What does this togetherness look like that we're talking about? If we think this is so important, what does this look like and how do we cultivate this togetherness? Well, as always, I'm always open to hearing from you and what you think this looks like, what you think this togetherness might look like. And again, we're, we're, not, we're not taking away from the importance of corporate worship and corporate prayer and being in this space. But what about the fellowship and the breaking of bread? Do you have this space in your life, ideally weekly, where you are breaking in bread and, and sharing in an intimate space with other believers? Do you have that in your life currently? And if not, this is where I'm going to insert my shameless life group plug. <laughs> Set myself up really great. Do you like that? <laughs> Didn't plan that. Along, like Several weeks ago, even as we were planning on launching life groups again, I didn't really plan this. It's just how it worked out. Honest to goodness, it's just how it worked out. But I've just been thinking so much this week about how here we are trying to organize life groups, and life groups are a great place to cultivate this togetherness that we're talking about. Because life groups aren't just where we show up and hang out. And it's not just showing up to just fellowship about light things, even though that absolutely takes place at life group. We do show up and fellowship, but it's so much more than that. Life group is not just a a book club where, you know, you might be going through a book and studying a Christian book or a religious book of some kind, but it's not just a book club. But life group, life group, these are small, sacred spaces where you can share meals together and share life together. It's where you can share what's going well and what isn't going well. Because I don't know if you know that, but you can do that as a Christian, You're allowed to share about what's not going well in your life. You're allowed to be honest and vulnerable and saying, you know what, I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it this week. Sorry. Somebody help me because I'm not buying this. You can do that. It's okay. Life group is a sacred, special place where you can talk about your understanding of scripture. You can wrestle with your understanding of scripture. You can wrestle with the tensions. You can pray together. And ideally, this is a group of people that knows you. I'm not talking about just knows your name and your kids' names and what you do for a living. But life groups are where people know you. The pretty you, the put-together you, and the real you. (laughs) 
The real you that's not this on Sunday mornings. They can see the real you. They know you because ideally you've spent enough time with these people and we're journeying through life together that eventually you're going to feel comfortable in sharing the real you with them because these people love you and they know you. And when you feel seen, when you feel heard and known and encouraged and lifted up and prayed for, you feel less and less alone and suddenly you feel like you can do this. You can do this journeying, following Jesus thing. It's not so impossible. It's not so overwhelming and you can do it and you're not alone because you know you're not the only one who struggles You know you're not the only one who struggles with with concepts or wrestles with things and the tensions of Scripture. You know you're not alone in that, and instead you're surrounded by people who not only know you and love you and see you, but they remind you over and over again the truth about who you are and about who God is and how God sees you and knows you and loves you. And we, we share the good news with each other. We speak the good news to each other, and we become the good news to each other. And we realize that we really are better together that I see more of Jesus in others than I do when it's just me, always alone, always isolated. If you have not ever been involved in a life group, I encourage you to plug into a life group. And maybe you have something else that, that I don't know about that essentially is a life group, but it's just not organized as such. That's okay, You don't have to be a part of a life group, but I just want you to know what you're missing if you're not a part of any kind of of small, intimate group where you can really share and do life with people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote this fabulous book called Life Together. You've probably heard of it. And in this book, he says this. He says, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. He says the physical presence of other Christians, listen to this, is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. (laughs) Sorry, I read that earlier and it just sounded really good, but now I'm reading it and I'm thinking you could really read that through a cynical lens (laughs) and you can be like, yeah, right. (laughs) Not the Christians I've been around. Sometimes that's just the truth, right? But, But did you really listen to the words that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said? He said, The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Maybe you do hear that through a skeptical lens this morning. Maybe you are a little skeptical, and when you consider this idea of community that would be described as incomparable joy, maybe you're suspicious of this because it just sounds too good to be true. Maybe you're picturing in your mind as you read that or hear that a group of people sitting around the table laughing together, almost like they were about to pose for a card or something because it's that manufactured. And you're like, I just don't buy that. I don't buy that that is actually realistic. Maybe this morning you think that's just an unrealistic picture and it sounds more like a wish dream. I'm borrowing that term from a commentator that was talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book. Maybe that sounds like a wish dream to you. But what if, what if the hopefulness is somehow found in the reality that life together doesn't actually meet our expectations, hopes, and dreams, but instead life together means Embracing the reality that we don't have it all together. Because the reality is, togetherness is messy. Community is wonderfully hard. Because we are all broken, messy people who see our need for Jesus and hopefully realize our need for others. And so maybe the beauty of community, maybe leaning into this idea that community is incomparable joy, maybe some of the beauty is that in our differences, in our struggles, in our moments of weakness and wrestling, Jesus is still seen. And in fact, sometimes you see him a whole lot better in others around you because they remind you of who you are and who he 
is. Well, I don't know if you were disappointed at the beginning of the service when I told you about this beautiful video, and I'm like painting this picture of this amazing song that's so captivating and overwhelming, and I decided that I was going to leave you hanging and and kind of psych you out and make you think I wasn't going to show you the video, but now I'm going to show you the video because it's just too good not to show you. So we're going to pull up this video of, of Eric Whitaker's Sing Gently, which is the virtual choir that he put together for last year. So let's watch that. Gosh, I don't know if that gets me in my feels because of just thinking the context where that video came out last year. I don't know if it's just because we're emotional right now with everything going on or just how captivating the imagery was in that song. But I, as I'm watching like these thousands of people coming together, singing as one, I just felt like there was no better way to drive this point home. And I'm going to borrow some words that Pastor Tara Beth Leach would say often at PazNaz. I watched her every single week at PazNaz. I make this joke that sometimes, now that she's not preaching every week, it's like, I don't know who my pastor is right now, because I used to listen to her every single week, but I'm kidding. But she would always say this, and and I'm just going to borrow it. She would say, I need you. You need me. We need you. And you need us. And may we do what that song says. 
May we sing together, church, always. May it keep others aloft. May we sing as one always. Church, we are better together. We were never meant to walk this journey alone. May you consider this morning the implications of togetherness. And I want you to ask yourself these questions as we go into a time of of worship and contemplation and as we allow the Lord to speak truth into our hearts this morning. I want you to ask yourself, am I trying to do this alone? Do I feel like I'm journeying alone? I want you to ask, what does it mean to be me with others? What does it mean to be a contributor in community? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the profound reminder this morning that you created us to be in relationship with one another. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for that prayer that you prayed long ago for us, for those who would be sitting in this room today. You would know that they come from different backgrounds and different struggles. You would know that each person brings to the table their own brokenness, their own messiness, their own things about life that they just struggle with. We're fooling ourselves and everyone around us if we act like we have it all together all the time. But Lord Jesus, you prayed this prayer knowing that we could come together, that we could participate in a life-giving community that would remind us each and every day the truth of who you are and that we truly don't have to journey alone. So Lord, if there's someone here that just needs direction from you, I pray, God, that you would speak that into their life. If, If there's someone here that's missing out on the full aspects of community, I pray, God, that you would just encourage them to step out, step out of their comfort zone and surround themselves with an intimate community of believers that are there to love them and encourage them and point them to Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that you would be reflected in our communities, that you would be seen and known, glorified and loved. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing this song with us this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not.
faithfulness to be present in and among his people, especially when they are together. So next week we will uh, continue this conversation of what it looks like to be one as Jesus prays in this passage. Because you see, within this community is a call to unity. And as cheesy as that was, it's true that unity is a part of this greater community. And so we'll talk about what it looks like to be a church in unity next week. Maybe more of what it means to sing gently as one. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, um, I hope that you will continue to consider, uh, if you haven't yet, to sign up for a life group, to be a part of a life group. Now, just full disclosure, um, we have two life groups that are currently meeting. They've been kind of meeting since the spring. They were old life groups, and then one was just one that Bo and I wanted to get going again. Um, And then two additional life groups have been added. But the math there still falls short of of really what would be ideal for a church this size. We still feel like we really need maybe at least one and and maybe two, if we're dreaming really big, uh, two more groups for people to be able to join. And so we had two uh, couples that that said that they would be willing to facilitate a group. And I, I need to kind of walk back some of my language because when I encourage you to sign up for life groups and let us know if you wanted to be a leader what I really should have said is, is let us know if you want to be a facilitator because that's really more of what we're looking for. I think leader can feel intimidating and it makes you feel like you have to teach some deeply theological message to a group of people that are just watching you and you don't have to do that. In fact, we don't really want life groups to look like that. We want life groups to be a space where, yes, somebody kind of facilitates and keeps the discussion going and maybe organizes the information to the group but really you're all participating and it's an open dialogue where everyone is encouraged to to participate in some way. So just know that when we say we're looking for a leader, what we're really after is someone who's willing to just facilitate the group, okay? So I just want to ask you to, to consider that, to pray about that, and if you'd be willing um, to, to do that, then would you still reach out and let us know? Um, otherwise, next week we will kind of share with you the groups that are meeting and the groups that you can choose between to, to join and some of the information about the times that they're meeting and things like that. So uh, be looking for that next week and just let us know if you're interested. So a few opportunities this week for community uh, in different ways. We've got coffee with the pastor tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I think that first one is at Balance Coffee and Tea, if I remember correctly. Yes, so tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I'll be there with my the biggest cup of coffee they'll sell me, and I'll just be ready to hang out and fellowship with whoever shows up. And if no one shows up, I won't be mad because I'll still be drinking a really great cup of coffee and and. But So it'll be fine if no one shows up. But I look forward to, to that tomorrow at 9. Uh, the Lunch Bunch will be meeting this Wednesday, um, August 25th at noon at Eckert's. 
And then um, just to clarify kind of what's going on out here and what you're smelling, uh, this is done by Belleville Hispanic once more. This is kind of their last fundraiser um, as they are raising funds to to kind of offset the cost for Yoli Pacheco, who's coming here in a few weeks. Um, So today is a buffet, as you have probably already noticed. I think it's $12 a plate today, and you can either take your food to go or we've arranged for you to sit here and eat because they thought they were so kind and considerate and thought people might like to eat their meal hot and fresh. So if you want to stay here and eat and just do some fellowship, some fellowshipping together, there's going to be tables over there in the foyer. If you want to take it and go, that's totally fine too. Um, but that's what we're supporting today. And that's going to be to offset the cost for Yoli Pacheco, who's coming in two weeks. And that's important because we will be having a combined service that Sunday, September 5th, with the Hispanic Church. And so uh, Yoli Pacheco will be here in leading that service. She's a bilingual ventriloquist, so there's going to be plenty for families, for English-speaking families, Spanish-speaking families, um, and we look forward to that time together with Belva Hispanic. So that's what's going on, okay? Keep your calendars um, updated, and I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as we prepare to dismiss. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves you and wants you to walk in fellowship and community with one another. You are loved. Have a great day.